You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The initial thought of this was when big ransomware as Revil, DarkSide, and others go away, if I'm an affiliate, where should I go, right? And that, and that evolution of trying to keep track of these ransomware families that are now trying to get a piece of that cake. That's Doel Santos. He's a threat intelligence analyst at Palo Alto Networks Unit 42. The research we're discussing today is titled Ransomware Groups to Watch, Emerging Threats. Imagine a world where you're always one step ahead of cyber threats, where your defenses are impenetrable because you see what others don't. Welcome to Team Cymru's Threat Intelligence Solutions. With real-time access to the world's largest threat intelligence data ocean, they enable you to turn the tables on attackers. Transform your security from reactive to proactive through accelerated threat hunting and incident response, made possible through automation. Empower your team with visibility and insights to start defending your organization like never before. Team Cymru. Be the hunter, not the hunted. Learn more at team-cumry.com slash cyberwire. That's team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. Well, let's go through it together. I mean, there are, there are four uh, main groups that you highlight here. Can, can we start off just by listing who did we cover in this report? Sure, yeah. And this re- in this uh, particular report, I selected Atlas Locker, um, Hive Leaks, Logbig 2.0, and Hello Kitty as part of the initial part of the report. Well, let's go through them together one at a time and uh, point out some of the uh, specifics about each group. Why don't we start with Avos Locker? Yeah, Avos Locker is quite interesting. The way that I stumbled across this ransomware was taking a look at a dark web discussion forum called Dread. For those who don't know, Dread is similar to Reddit uh, of the dark web. So people post news, post information over there. And across all those posts and news, I saw a user announcing the launch of a new ransomware as a service called Atlas Locker. And they claimed, you know, 
tell all of the features that the ransomware had and how to contact them to start doing um, all these operations. And I remember seeing people commenting, like, hey, I'm interested, hit me up. And that's why I started seeing, well, maybe this is like a new ransomware and this could become a, a bad thing. Uh, so I started tracking that one specifically. And what sort of specifics are there about Avos Locker that sets it apart from some of the other ones out there? Sure. I mean, uh, at, at the beginning, I wouldn't say too much, right? They were pretty basic because they were starting out. Uh, some of the features just included like a simple sample, not as fast as the other ones. But what I can say is recent, recently they updated their site. They redesigned their terms and conditions for affiliates. They are now offering different variants, right? Not only they're affecting Windows environments, they're now affecting Linux and VMware XE platforms and offering DDoS attacks, harassment call service, access brokers, and all the good stuff that affiliate could use to carry out a successful attack. So they really, I don't know, expanded their range of offerings there? Exactly, yes. When I take a look at it before, when I started, they released this report, um, they were pretty basic. It's like a small company trying to, you know, understand how to operate on the market. And now they know what works, they just redefine it a little bit. So what are you seeing from them in, in terms of, of their success? Are, are folks adopting their services? Or are they finding customers out there? Yes, indeed. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that when I started writing about it in the, the Unit 42 report, they only had like eight, eight victims or eight or eight or five victims listed. So that hmm. tells us that not too many people were using it or not many people were aware but as today, they have uh, 21 victims, and they're now selling the data as well. So they're not only exporting it for free, now they're selling it to other third parties that are interested. Interesting. And, and what are you seeing in terms of ransom demands from this group? Their ransom demands are not as high as other groups, such as Revol, but they're quite up there. They start with at least the, the, the instances that I've observed was like, $50,000 to $75,000. And if the ransom is not paid on that particular period of time, it doubles, right? So we're talking about $100,000 or $125,000 ransom. Wow. Yeah. Any uh, idea who might be behind this group or where they're coming from? I, I can't say, really. I don't have visibility into what's going on behind the operator, uh, the operation of these ransomware groups. But what I can say is that this ransomware group specifically tries to carry out operations and promote themselves on the dark web forum. So it could be a quite a number of people. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the Hive ransomware group. What's going on with them? Hive Leaks is, uh, if I can be completely honest with you, is one of the best uh, good-looking leak sites that I've seen uh, from all hmm. the ransomware operators. Um, and they, the interesting thing about them is that they refer to their affiliates as their sales department. Because they, they, they themselves think their ransomware is a business, right? They have their product, which is a decryptor, and they audit, you know, air quotes here, they audit the victim for their attacks, and they say, like, well, if you want your files back, you have to, you know, pay us. It's quite interesting how they, they got to this professional approach. Uh, Hive recently announced that they were going to leak the data of the Missouri Delta Medical Center, which tells me and tells the people that have been tracking this ransomware that this ransomware specifically don't have any code of ethics or any kind mm. of conduct about uh, what kind of organizations they can target. Yeah, and I mean, that's really been a pattern here, hasn't it? That no matter what these organizations say, you know, they make claims that they're 
they're going to leave certain organizations alone, that really doesn't seem to pan out. Exactly. That they they really have little regard to whatever impact they may they may do to this kind of health organization or critical organization that we depend on. And are they going about things in a similar way? I mean, are, are they using the double extortion technique here of both encrypting files and then threatening to make them available online? Yeah, pretty much what they do is uh, steal all the data they can. They're very personistic. They host it on their leak site. What's interesting about what they still, they're, they're posting on the leak site is that they even include social media sharing. So more people could share like, hey, we compromise this company. Try right? to get their, their word out, for, for example, right? And pretty much try to disclose everything they can if the negotiations don't go as planned. Yeah, it's fascinating that, uh, I mean, it sounds like somebody in their organization really has a focus on, on marketing. Exactly. Uh, this, this, these groups, we need to think about it as businesses, right? They have their own assets. They have their marketing. They have rebrands. They have their R&D. They have everything they need for it to be successful because they want to maximize profits. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Hello Kitty. I have to say uh, uh, my favorite of the names that we're listing here, if not the group itself. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what's going on with them? Uh, Hello Kitty is quite interesting, not only because of the name, right? It's really a catchy name, but just because how they operate versus the other ones. Hello Kitty itself doesn't have a leak site uh, at all. They do all the uh, negotiations and all the uh, transaction between the customer and the affiliate through chats that they set up on the dark web. So when they, they're you know, taking a look at their chats and their interaction between victims and the threat actors, they share the wallet address, which has receive around a million dollars, right, as of today. Mm. So that tells me that they really go- are really good at negotiating without having to provide any kind of visual proof uh, of, like, we compromise your network. You know what I mean? And, and the thing is that the samples that we found were not only specific to Windows, but to VMware Axie, you know, a whole different market. Hmm. So they're not hosting the files. Uh, let me back up for a second here. Are they exfiltrating files at all? They are. They are exfiltrating the site, the, the files, but they're not posting it publicly for everyone to see, right? They are just extorting the victim through chats. Like, hey, this is a proof. This is a picture of a file we got from your system just to, make, just to establish that, yeah, we compromised you. We were the ones who did it. And start from there, right? They don't they don't share to another leak site or post it up publicly, uh, at least not that, I, that we we could have identified. And in terms of ransom demands, this uh, this group is sort of swinging for the fences. Yes, this group asked uh, around four million dollars in ransom demands. In some cases, they were very strict about trying to be all the transaction happened through Monero. Uh, but, uh, they're, they're after the money. So they're quite flexible. So in depending where you are and, you know, depending on the regulations that you have, um, you can buy Monero. So everything's accessible. is more like Bitcoin. So it's, 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 it's interesting to see that they sell us like, we only accept Monero transactions and they say, well, we can't do Monero. We can do Bitcoin. And they're like, okay, for trying, here's a wallet address for the Bitcoin. Interesting. Well, let's move on to Lockbit 2.0, the last of the group that we're talking about here today. What uh, sets them apart? Lockbit 2.0, it's interesting because they they shut down for a little bit 
after this big report on the uh, procedures and tactics and everything Logbay was re- was released back in July. So they took they shut down for uh, like two weeks or so, and they they rebranded as Logbay 2.0. That's like an improved version of it. They are pretty proud that their ransomware is the fastest at, in the market, uh, at least from their terms and conditions list. And they even include a a comparison table between all the ransomware families that are, are active right now versus them obviously placing them on the top. Logbit 2.0 also was very fortunate that Revol and DarkSide kind of shut it down operations in the st- same time frame that Logbit 2.0 kind of launched. So it, it's suspected that most of the affiliates that were conducting under Revol or DarkSide moved to Logbit 2.0. Interesting. So they were kind of in the right place at the right time. Exactly. And, and, and that speaks for itself because when we, when this started, it had no victim whatsoever. It's just like, yo, we're going to launch in, in a week from now. And then suddenly you start seeing 10, 15, 20 victims being listed. So that means that there were a couple of affiliates working all day, all the time to get those listed over there. So when we look at these four groups together, how much of the market do we think they represent? To what degree are these the major players today? I think Logbit is is up there. Logbit is why quite prevalent and uh, and what they're doing with their way they're they're targeting victims, trying to be like high target victims, high profile victims versus the other two. I think the other the other ones need a little bit of tweaking, need a little bit of growing to do for them to be up there, but Logbit is definitely on the right place. What about the, the marketplace in general? I mean, and as as organizations like these pop up, as, you know, as the, these operators get the entrepreneurial bug and, and set out to do these things, does the community accept new players in the market generally? How, how does that go for them? I wouldn't say they do because they have to compete with each other, mm. right? I think that uh, if you have a ransomware as a service, uh, you want to be the best there is. Just like businesses, you want to be the best business. You don't want a competition. But I, I guess that these groups usually have a lot of fallouts because of their internal struggles. Because we're talking about random people doing business with random people. Like they don't know mm-hmm. each other at all. So there are no there are no guarantees that they will get paid or they'll get a cut or whatsoever. So mm-hmm. they're always like between the operators. No, they don't want more more of them of them group. They want a bigger uh, piece of the market. But as for affiliates' perspective, we they want a couple of options because you as an affiliate, you don't want to be stuck to one. Because if that shuts down, then you don't have anything else to do. You have to jump to another one. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So the the ecosystem itself benefits from having multiple players uh, to survive if one is shut down. Exactly. If you imagine that only Revil or Darkseid or Black Matter were the ones that are uh, running the, the the ransomware game, right? If the three of them shut down, they pretty much need to come a new with a new one or or see what what you can do or focus on other areas of cybercrime. What are you expecting as we head towards the end of the year and into 2022? Or are we expecting that we're going to see more of the same here? Or are there any changes or evolutions that you and your colleagues are tracking? Here in Virginia 42, we, we don't have any reason to believe that the ransomware crisis is going to slow down anytime soon. As long as ransomware is profitable, they're going to keep popping up. One way to think of it, is that ransomware is like a hydra sorts, 
you jump mm. one head down, two more will pop up, right? Uh, they all want to claim that piece. So it's it's something that I will expect to be quite relevant for the following years. Yeah, I wonder if, as we see some of these groups attempting to professionalize this, as we said, you know, they're they're getting smarter with their marketing and, and um, improving the services. I wonder if we might see some consolidation as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I there's a couple of groups that operate under a cartel of sorts. Um, like Mount Locker specifically is one of those main groups that they operate. And under them, he, he uh, the group has like Sing Locker, Astro Team, um, and others that, uh, that they were independent on their own, but they all partnered together to carry on the same attacks. Our thanks to Doel Santos from Palo Alto Network's Unit 42 for joining us. The research is titled Ransomware Groups to Watch, Emerging Threats. We'll have a link in the show notes. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>